Hello and welcome to another episode of Paving the Way podcast. I'm Seth Amoa, aka SA. I'm here with Kenny Jean-Louis, aka KJL. And today we're here with someone very special, one of my former coaches, uh, one of the greatest coaches out of Quebec. Certainly coached a lot of great players uh, now and in the past. Uh, please give it up for Mr. Andy Herzog. I don't get an AKA anything. <laughs> AKA, AKA, AKA. AKA, the old guy. Okay. <laughs> merci merci d'avoir accepté l'invitation. Seth t'envoie un message puis directement t'as dit que euh, tu étais d'accord avec euh, l'interview. Donc, euh, je pense qu'il y a beaucoup de coachs ou de joueurs où tout le monde va apprendre de l'interview. So, merci encore d'avoir euh, accepté l'invitation. Pas de problème. Okay, okay. So, the first question is, like, when did you get into basketball? Like, the passion? I started playing... I think when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I started off uh, because I was like the kid in school who had the highest grades but wasn't tremendously athletic. So not Mr. Popularity. And, you know, sports was popularity. And I always lived right near a basketball court. And uh, so I started trying to get good at basketball. And it was funny. I... I had this thing, I wanted to become the best player on my street. And the best player on my street was a, a guy two years older than me named Alfie Brathwaite. So that, that was my goal. So then I became the best player on my street. Then I wanted to become the best player in my neighborhood, which was Shamadi and Laval. And I did that. And then I wanted to become the best player in Laval. And it's sort of, you know, that sort of thing. And mm. I mean, Back then, you know, there were no cell phones. If you wanted to find me, you weren't going to call me on a phone because uh, it didn't exist, but you just went to the local basketball court and eight to 10 hours a day, I was there. Okay. And uh, what, what uh, high school did you play for? Uh, I played for Shamity High, which is now called Laval uh, Senior High School or something like that, Laval Senior Academy or something okay. like that now. Okay. And after, I guess, when you found out you were pretty good at playing basketball at that age, were you thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'll try and play in college one day or? Well, here's a funny thing. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Seth. I actually quit the Vanier team when I was a player. Oh, you did? <laughs> wow. I don't sure no one knew that. And uh, yeah, it's not something I like to advertise at the time. <laughs> Why'd you quit? Why'd you quit? Uh, you know something? Um, back then, I was living in Laval. Transport system. I mean, the Laval uh, public transport back then was a, a complete joke. It took me like an hour and a half to two hours to get to school oh. and to go back. Uh, my classes finished like around one by one or two in the afternoon. Practice was at six. I didn't want to wait around. And uh, honestly, and I thought I was going to be in CJEP two years, which I was, and I figured I was going to play university ball. And um, then uh, when it came to university, I mean, uh, I was like a, a recruit from McGill and they really wanted me. And so I thought I was going to play at McGill, but, I had a lot of injuries actually, and I just wasn't able to play. I, uh, uh, you know, like I told the coach then, I mean, they said, if you want a guy who can practice one day a week, I'm your man, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, uh, because I, I would play and then for a day or two, I could hardly walk. So I went back to my old high school, Shamini High, uh, mm -hmm. and offered to, to be an assistant for the, the, the basketball coach there. Oh. Uh, but he was more of a football guy. And after a month, he said, you know more about this than I do. You're the head coach. <laughs> As 18 years old. That's when I started oh. coaching. And I, I, uh, I said, oh, my God. And uh, I better learn about this. And my advantage is I was better than any of the players at the time at the high school. Mm. I was 18 years old and, and I played quite a bit. Um, but I really didn't know much about coaching. So I started anywhere I could. I started to learn. I read books, I watched videos, I went to basketball clinics, I, I worked a few times, several times at basketball camps in the United States and met people there and learned about how to coach. And a, a lot of my first ideas about coaching actually came more from the United States than from here. And actually, I so I've coached since then, I've coached 42 of the last 43 years. I took my first year off of law school because I was afraid of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, aside from that, I've been coaching every year. Oh. Did, did um, when you start coaching, did you always knew that you wanted to be a coach 
or it's only when you were, I guess, done playing basketball that when I didn't want to be a coach at all. I wanted, no? To no? I wanted to play. And for, for a few years, I was also even a player coach in some senior leagues, you know, mm -hmm. um, what I wanted to do. I didn't know at that age if I wanted to be either a teacher or a lawyer. And uh, I like to do, you know, both of those things. And uh, I could have been happy just being a teacher in a high school, running a high, high school basketball program, but I ended up being able to do both, actually. I was very, I was blessed that I could, you know, really do both. And frankly, as a, as a teach, as, as a coach, you, you can really reach a lot more kids than you can as a teacher. You're much more directly involved with them and, and you, you, you can really help them a lot more and help them do something with their lives rather, you know, as a, a teacher who just sees them in class. Well, was it hard to uh, coach at 18 years old and at the same time being in law, law school? Well, like I said, I took my first year off because that would have been impossible. But yeah, it, it, was, it was tough. At one point, actually, I was, I was going to law school. I was playing in a league and coaching in two different leagues. Um, all at the same time. Uh, was it difficult? Yeah, I've always been very good at managing my time and stuff like that. You got to be very organized. Uh, and I wasn't coaching at such a high level. So none of those teams were practicing six days a week or anything like that, you know, so, um, you know, it's, uh, it just sort of developed. Okay. Um, I want to know something. Um, so as a player, what, what was your, what was your, what, what were you known for? Were you a shooter? Were you athletic? What? I was known for one thing. Uh, I had uh, my turnaround fadeaway shot hey. <laughs> and I was known all over Montreal for that turnaround fadeaway shot. I got very upset many years later when to prolong his career, Michael Jordan started shooting that shot. And to this day, I say he owes me a lot of money because I invented that shot and he took it from me. It was funny, actually, once uh, my, I don't know, second year or something at the law firm I was working at downtown. I come back from lunch and a senior partner all of a sudden says, uh, Andy says, what's a turnaround fadeaway shot? I said, what? And he said, yeah, we had a, a photocopier repairman in here repairing the photocopier. He saw your name on your door of your office. And he says, I know that guy. He has the most incredible turnaround fadeaway shot. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so I had to like ball up some paper and go into the conference room and start shooting fade turnaround fadeaway shots into the trash can. Oh, man. <laughs> um, at, at that time, w when you were playing, who was your favorite player in the NBA or NCAA at that time? Like, um, I don't think, I mean, the guy I sort of copied that shot from, uh, it wasn't exactly, but I sort of took it from him, was a guy named Elvin Hayes, the big E, who you probably don't know who he was, but he was a hell of a player. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, later on, I mean, still my all-time favorite player is Magic Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, I was fortunate enough to see him play live a bunch of times and, and just his joy for the game and, and the yeah. way he made everybody better. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah. was, uh, he's my all time favorite player and close second is Steve Nash. because he's an old friend of mine, a buddy of mine. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, with everything he's accomplished and, and done for basketball in Canada, you know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, he, he's a real inspiration as yeah. well. Um, so How long did you coach at Shamadi High? And what was your next step after? I was coaching at Shamadi High. I coached at the Shamadi YMHA. I coached um, the Quebec Junior Maccabea Games team. And then I was recruited to coach at Sun Youth. Uh -huh. And I recruit, uh, coached at Sun Youth um, in the 80s um, for a few years. We did very well. Uh, actually, while we were at Sun Youth in the, in the 80s, we uh, started the first ever AAU team, summer AAU team from Quebec. Oh, okay. Um, and because our kids, uh, we, we wanted to, a lot of our, it was a very polit political in, in uh, basketball in Quebec back then. Mm -hmm. And we were winning juvenile championships, provincial championships virtually every year. But our kids couldn't make the Quebec team for certain political reasons. Okay. So our, we, our kids needed a place to play. So we just started our own team. Okay. And instead of, uh, you know, we went to tournaments in like L.A. and Phoenix and places like that. We played in this terrific league, which no longer exists, called the Youth East League, all up and down the East Coast and played against guys like Alonzo Mourning and guys like that. Um, 
and then it's funny because after a while everybody wanted to play on our team instead of the Quebec team because we were going to the States and they were going to Regina or St. John's or wherever they were going, you know, so. What made you go to Sunyut? Why Sunyut? Um, basically, I was asked to. A friend of mine who, uh, another coach, well, one of my oldest friends in basketball is a guy named Keith Coffin. I think you know him, yeah. uh, Seth. And he was the, uh, he actually got me to coach at Vanier. He was coaching the, uh, what was called AAA, now Division One team. He said, you come coach the Division Two team and, and uh, you know, we'll work together. It'll be fun. And then one year later, he left and he, after he had his first kid. But, and I was there 32 years later. But anyhow, he, um, but he also, him and another uh, friend, Sean Burchill, who is uh, coaching also with the Quebec team, um, the Quebec Junior Maccabee Games team, uh, which was in Toronto. And all the way there and all the way back on the bus, he was bugging me. He stayed, had some problems with their juvie coach. Uh, a lot of the kids had, had left the program and they wanted to rebuild it. And uh, he, he, he convinced me to, uh, to give it a shot and do it. Okay. Were you, were you like nervous or scared going from Shamri High to now Sun Youth? A, a juvenile triple a team knowing that we had a big gap in the uh well, basketball it, yeah it's funny because when we used to play in the park you know if the guys once in a while would come from the inner city the sun youth guys they would just kick our you know what <laughs> and um uh yeah I, I i was a little nervous um but it uh you know you get into it and mm-hmm. uh, uh you don't think about it too much you just you know Mm-hmm. Do what you can. Okay. And how long did you coach at Sun Youth? You said two years? Uh, four altogether. Four? And after that, you went to Vanier. You started double at a, double, a. double A. And, 12, and years, long... 12 years double A and then 20 years triple A. Wow. Damn. And how was that experience double A? Yeah. You know, it's funny. At the beginning, because they had had a lot of problems with the team the year before. They had to actually fire the coach in the middle of the year. Um, they would get two or three guys coming to practice. Um, they were, they threw stuff at refs in games. It was like a disaster. Um, so we started off and at the beginning guys sort of expected it to be like sort of intramurals, not very serious. And that's not how I was going to take it. And so the first about three years till people really knew what was going on, uh, we were taking about 20, 22 kids on the team at the beginning because we knew a bunch were going to quit when they saw how much running and conditioning and everything else was involved and how serious we were taking it that you actually had to show up for all the practices and work hard and stuff like that so um so you know there was a, a couple of years adjustment and then we developed what you know we felt was you know after a while the best double a program in the province but it, it took a little while okay Okay. The big thing about that was we never, re- until I think my second to last year coaching double A, I never recruited a single player. Oh, no? No, no why, whoever why not? Whoever at Vanier and didn't make the, the, the triple A team okay. came out for the double A team and, okay. and, you know, and that's who played. Okay, oh. but, but since they were not, I guess, your player that you were not recruiting them, how uh, did you make them buy in in your, I guess, uh, culture? Well, you know, first of all, I don't think a lot different than anything I've ever done or even with kids I've recruited. I mean, it's the way you treat them, you know, and the interesting thing, the good thing about kids, CJP age kids, particularly they're, they're almost men and they're, you know, they're pretty bright and they know what's going on and they know if you're there for them or not. And they know if you know what you're talking about or not. It's not like with 10 year old kids who don't know anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can't really fool them, you know, but the one thing I did, um, because I, I really feel you can't, coach a player effectively unless you really know them as a person, you know? So since I didn't recruit them in double A, the first time I saw them was at the tryouts or whatever else. Uh, what I did was we had what I called rookie dinners. I took each rookie out for dinner one-on-one and just talked to them for two hours and getting to know about them, their families, their friends, their girlfriends, what they cared about, what, you know, what, what was important to them, you know? Mm-hmm. So I would get to know them a little bit. Okay. Uh, so when you, I guess your your success in Double A and like you said, um, you won a Triple A. What was the biggest difference between Double A AA and Triple A going? The I guess challenges. 
Well, number one, uh, recruiting. You had to start recruiting, and that's a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, and, and it was really the Wild West back then. I mean, after one year, I asked our athletic director, uh, put me back to double A. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she said, why? I said, there's so much cheating going on in recruiting in our league. Uh, so many rules being broken. I'm not going to do that. Okay. And we're not going to, it's going to take us, well, we're not going to get a lot of the top players right away. That's for sure. And I was told, no, at Vanya, we really care about ethics and doing things the right way. Just do what you're doing and it's fine. So recruiting was one big difference. Another big difference, frankly, is just the attention. I mean, when you're coaching double A, nobody's really watching you. Nobody cares what you're doing, frankly, yeah. you know? Um, so uh, you have a certain freedom, you know, yeah. but um, all of a sudden in triple in, in A, there's a big spotlight on you, mm-hmm. you know? And not only that, but kids are there for different reasons. Kids are there because they want to go on to play university ball and they want to go play on scholarship in the States and stuff like that. So, whereas that, that you know, didn't happen very much and, you know, at the double A level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, those were the big differences. And, and I think overall also because of the, you know, the different objectives and the aspirations of the kids in triple A, they were as a group, you know, more serious about basketball and more committed yeah. to, you know, okay. yeah. And when you started recruiting, you, I guess, your own, own player, uh, what are you looking for? Like when you recruit someone, like when you go to a gym and you watch someone play, like what are you looking for? I say I, I look for three, I recruit three things, character, character, and character. Look, obviously everybody wants talent. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of guys I feel just very talented guys I didn't recruit over the years. Some of Sometimes I made mistakes but um, because I didn't feel they could play for me. Uh, number one, I don't like what I call volume shooters. I don't like selfish players, guys who have to take 30 shots a game because we spread it around on our team and, and we get everybody involved and we want people who can buy into that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I want a guy who who's going to, I, I want somebody who really wants to be at Vanier, at our program. Anyhow, uh, we want somebody who's excited to be there. We want somebody who's going to represent ourselves uh our college well and we want somebody who really is motivated he wants to our coaches have always been gym rats we want our players to be gym rats we want them to we want them to be serious about school about basketball and and be the type of you know be the type of young man you want your daughter to marry that's Mm -hmm. you know that's the Mm -hmm. sort of thing you know Mm -hmm. and uh so character is very very important because you know these these kids will make you look good or make you look bad Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, plus you're giving so much of your time. You want people that you're going to enjoy being around. Yeah, that's you true. Know, somebody's always complaining and bitching, whatever else. I'm like, you don't want that. You don't want to be around them. No, no. Um, so when you were in AAA, I guess your first couple of years, did you have a mentor? Someone you, you were, I guess, they were helping you go through the process of how AAA was different from AA or anything like that? Um, not really. Uh, an old buddy of mine was coaching at Momorasi, Guy Parizo, who's okay. now retired who was uh, also like a legendary basketball coach. And we, we had coached against each other and, and we'd just been friends for years. So, you know, he gave me a little bit of a delay of the land in terms of recruiting and stuff like that or whatever. But I mean, it was funny back then you didn't have letters of intent. So yeah, my first recruiting class, there was a kid, I won't mention him. He was playing at college Laval and I was just talking to Guy in the summer and he said, you know, Hey, you know, who'd you recruit for next year? And I said, okay, I recruited this kid from Sun Youth. I recruited this kid from College Laval. He said, who? I said, I give him the name. He says, oh, really? He committed to me too. <laughs> and so we just both agreed that we called the kid and gave him 48 hours to make up his mind. And he ended up going to Momorasi. And about a month into the season, he called me and asked, he says, I, I, I'm fed up with him already. Do you want him? <laughs> said, no, it's, it's okay. You can keep him. But no, aside from that, nobody really. I had been... By then, I had been coaching over 20 years already. Yeah. Um, I had been at Vanier, you know, uh, in the, with the AA team for 12 years. So, you know, I saw a lot of the AAA games. I know a lot of the coaches. I, I, I saw what was going on. I knew the league quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, from time to time, a lot of the AAA uh, players had asked me to work with them individually on skills okay. and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, I, I, I was – you know, very aware of what the league was about. I didn't really, at that point, because I'd been there 12 years in the college, I, I, I didn't really need that kind of help. 
Okay. okay. Just a quick question. Um, what would you tell a player that been to a, like a French school, the Isol High School, and really want to come to Vanier, but he doesn't think that maybe his English is good enough and he's scared because of school? So what would you tell like a guy that you want well, but is French? That's happened a bunch of times. And there was one kid I remember who lived up in Shikutsumi. And I mean, he said that, uh, and I don't want to give you my recruiting secrets, give them away too much, but <laughs> oh, yes. you know, he, he was afraid and his parents were afraid for him to go to school in English because he didn't, you know, speak English. But at the same time, he's telling me he wants to go play in the NCAA. Well, how are you going to go play in the NCAA if you don't speak any English? I mean, Sejep is a great time for you to improve your English. And, you know, one thing I always said, pour bon, pour le pire, Euh, la langue internationale de la commerce, mettant le basket à côté, la langue internationale de la commerce, c'est l'anglais. C'est un atout si, si vous pouvez parler l'anglais. We've had kids come, we had a kid come from Baie-Como, he spoke one word of English, OK. And he graduated with about a 90 average. Oh. Uh, and went on to do very well in university, getting a master's and whatever else. We've had... Just, just now, one of our graduates, uh, Pierre-Olivier Racine from Gatineau, hardly spoke any English. And, you know, he speaks perfectly well now. He's going to play at Fairleigh Dickinson University in the United States. Actually, his coach just contacted me yesterday. And, you know, and he, he speaks, and even actually his parents, his, his father's English has improved over the, the last three years. We had another kid, uh, Jean-Daniel Mathieu from uh, Trois-Rivières, hardly spoke any English at all. Um, and, uh, you know, he graduated, ended up going and, and to an, a Canadian, uh, an English university and, and getting an engineering degree, you know, so, but the kids have to be serious. If you see that they're like a borderline high school student and they're not really serious about school, I wouldn't want them to come from a French school to an English school because it will be more difficult. Now we at Vanier, we had a very elaborate system of uh, academic support and, and supervision. And so that helped. So we'll, we'll give them all the support in the world and the supervision, but really we look at it. It's, it's an opportunity for these kids to, to learn another language. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a basketball agent for a while and I sent players to Europe. I actually had the largest basketball agency in Canada at the time. I had 40 players overseas mm -hmm. and you know, the fact that I spoke French, was a huge advantage when I was dealing with clubs in France, in Belgium, in Switzerland, even in Luxembourg. Um, they liked the fact that they could send me a contract in French, that they could speak to me in French, as opposed to an American agent who obviously didn't have a clue. So having a second language is always, you know, always beneficial. But, you know, some kids will see it as an opportunity and a challenge. And, and you know, some kids will see it as an obstacle. And, yeah. you know, Definitely. you, you yeah. want the kid who's going to see it as an opportunity. Yeah. Um, Kenny asked earlier what you saw, what, like when you're recruiting players, what do you look for? My question is when you're recruiting, I guess, assistant coaches, I know from time to time it changes. What do you look for in assistant coaches in your assistant? Um, I like always to have a mix of some guys who played for me and some guys who didn't play for me. I like to have somebody who was familiar with my quote unquote system, or, yeah. which isn't a system so much, but because it changed over the years, but how I like things done put it that way and what's important to me. And I like having, you know, people from other who played for other coaches as well and learned other things. Um, you, I, I always liked to have, uh, you know, somebody who's very good to work with guards, somebody who's good to work with bigs. Um, I liked our coaching staff to be representative of our team, which was like the United Nations, have people from different uh, ethnic backgrounds. Um, but, um, you know, guys who I thought knew the game, were passionate about the game, who really wanted to put the time in, mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> but also wanted to coach for the right reasons. Um, and that is to help kids get to the next level. For, for me, I always said the most important thing isn't what our ki the kids do at Vanny, it's what they do afterwards. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to get them ready for that and try to, you know, uh, very, and Seth knows this, but very, you know, there are certain things that are important to me that aren't important to a lot of other uh, basketball coaches. Like how many times, Seth, did I correct your English while you were there? A lot. 
and, and other people's. Um, you know, for me, it's important that if a kid asks for something, he, he has to use the word please. And then afterwards, when he gets something, he says thank you. And it's manners and it's all those things. You know, the, the type of young men they become is, is the most important thing to me and what they do after Vanier. So, you know, that kind of stuff is important to me as well. And I, I want other coaches who, who buy into that aren't there just to win games, and mm. to develop a resume and, you know, whatever else. It's they really want to take care of the kids. Okay. Yeah. And you said that your coaching, uh, coaching style may uh, change from year to year. It depends on what, because you said, I think sometimes your coaching style. Well, it, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on your players. Uh, over 30 years, there have been a lot of changes in the game of basketball. It's a quicker, more athletic game. Yeah. Um, you know, when I started playing, it was a big man's game. And the big men were probably the, the most crucial to your success. Now, I always I said in the last many years, whoever has the best set of guards wins, you know, and it's it's a very different. The rules have changed. So you can't run as much continuation offense as you can anymore when you have when you're looking at a 24 second shot clock. Yeah. Okay, you have to have a lot more quick hitters, a lot more uh, uh, putting your players in one on one situations and, and making sure they have the skill to take advantage of that. You know, so there have been a lot of changes in the game. Then you change from year to year. I, I like to say that uh, I've been able to, over the year, change from year to year based on the composition of our team and the type of talent we have. Mm -hmm. You know, so we've changed our offenses many, many different times over the years. I mean, um, what we've run the last couple of years, Seth, isn't at all what, you know, what we ran when, when I coached you aside from some of the quick hitters we still use. Mm -hmm. But um, so, you know, that changes. Okay. Uh, other things have changed over the years is, for the most part, how you deal with kids are the same. If you treat them fairly and if they know that you're there for them and you really have their best interests at heart, you'll be fine. But, you know, kids over the years with the, uh, you know, cell phones and computers and everything else, the attention span of players has changed a lot. So when I started coaching in a timeout, I could give our kids five different sets of instructions and expect that they would assimilate all that and take it onto the court. Uh, the last few years, it's one or two things max that you can tell them and expect them to really apply it when they get back out on the court. You know, it's things like that. Okay. It's things like dealing with kids now who uh, it's a little more of an instant gratification society. You know, people, you know, they want success right away and dealing with that, dealing with the fact that now it's not just you and them in practice and games. And, and now there's all sorts of outside influences because of their, so, because of social, their social media presence and their, mm -hmm. their friends and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah. You know, that, that too. Okay. I, I want to know some inside question. Um, Dawson and Vanny rivalry. Okay, where did it? So I'm sure a lot of kids they don't know where it came from, how it started, and this Javon. So where did it? Hold on, I lost you here. Hold on a second. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you know? So where did it, it started before me? Oh, yeah. I okay. mean, it started a long time before me. It basically, those were the two biggest English schools and the two biggest basketball powerhouses. Now understand, one of the big changes in Quebec basketball. When I played high school ball and when I started coaching, the French schools did not play basketball. I mean, they had, some of them had teams and the, the English high schools would beat them by 50 points. Okay. They did not have a clue about basketball. They were into European handball. Oh. And they would kill us at handball, <laughs> but we would destroy them at basketball. So almost, you know, the greatest part of the province was not playing basketball back yeah. then. The French kids did not play basketball. And that's, that's been a big difference. Now that's, you know, obviously very, very different. Uh -huh. uh, those games, Dawson versus Vanier, because um, I know they're, they're pretty big till this day. Um, Listen, Seth, when I started coaching double-A at Vanier, yeah, yeah. the gym for double-A Vanier-Dawson was packed. Oh, yeah? Packed. thousand people in the gym. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you go in there? Do you go in there coaching differently, or do you still keep the same game? game no, no, no. You can't. You can't coach. You can't coach differently. No. Um, and it's nothing you you even mention to the guys because they're aware of it. 
Okay. Um, sometimes you just, you'll try to get them ready, especially the rookies, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that there's going to be a big crowd. It's going to be noisy. So maybe in the, in practices leading up to that, you simulate crowd noise and stuff like that and, and making sure stressing that, you know, the, the communication on the court guys are communicating loudly because if, if they, if they're just talking quietly, nobody's going to hear them because there's going to be a loud yeah. you know, environment there. Okay. But aside um, from that, no, I mean, every, everybody knew and you just, you know, yeah. those were games you really, and still do look forward to. Yeah. I was, I was winning your first provincial and also I was winning your first national. Um, you know, um, and I wish that I had a chance this past year to win a second national, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, COVID took that away, but, um, it, it was incredible. I mean, uh, the national was first of its first provincial, provincial yeah. both first provincial double a first provincial triple a first provincial when I was at sun youth, you know, each time it's, it's, it's very special, you know, and it's sort of like a vindication of what you've been doing with your program, mm -hmm. you know? And when I started to took over the triple a team, it wasn't in a very good place. I only had uh, three kids held over. I only had really two real recruits. And I brought up five guys from my former double a team to play triple a. And it, you know, it took a few years. So, um, you know, certainly vindication about, you know, a little bit about what you're doing, although it's not about that so much, you know, it, it's about, you know, the kids, like I said, getting to the next level and, and, you know, doing things with their lives. Yeah. But yeah. the nationals in particular, I mean, uh, Seth was there. I mean, it was, uh, you know, you always, there's always people out there telling you, you don't know what you're doing or you're not doing this right, or you're not doing that right. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of, kind of shuts some people up, you know, but, uh, <laughs> uh, so that's nice, but you know, I, I was just so happy for the kids, you know, and, uh, you know, we've had even other championships, provincial championships, like we had two kids who, who came uh, from Trois-Rivières. They played on the Seminaire de Trois-Rivières team and they had never even when they were in high school, you know, really challenged for a provincial championship, you know, and, and never had an opportunity to even play for a provincial championship, much less win one. And, you know, when they won, you know, won at Vanier provincial championship, you just see them hugging and crying and being so happy. And, you know, that's, it's, it's just a tremendous, tremendous feeling. And, uh, you know, every time now I have to say the last couple of years was not at all as, um, for me personally, as emotional or because we were really expected to win two years ago, we yeah. went undefeated first time in something like 30 years, a team in our league went undefeated. So everybody's just expecting us to win. Yeah. And it would have been a disaster had we had not won the provincials. And we ended up playing probably our worst game of the year in the provincial finals, uh, but managed to win it. Um, so it was more relief. Uh, of anything, you know, than anything else. And then last year, again, we were expected to win it. The guys all expected to win it, uh, finished in first place. And I think we were the best team. Um, but also the year before we had been upset, um, we lost a big lead and we, we lost in the national semifinals. Yeah. And since that day, everybody's goal was to come back the next year and win nationals. And we had most of our team back. And so not just me, but I, you know, even afterwards, the, this after winning the provincials, the celebration was a little subdued. And I even asked the guys and they said, coach, this isn't our goal. Our goal is to win nationals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think the last couple of years was more of a relief really than elation, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, unfortunately that, that national championship opportunity just, you know, like a lot of other people's was, was taken away because of COVID. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that year in 2011, when you won nationals, um, a lot of things were not going good. <laughs> and, um, That's I wanted, the funniest thing. Yeah, you know, know, they say to win a championship, everything has to go right. Yeah, just Nothing went right that year. Kenny, I don't know what Seth has told you, but it started <laughs> off in preseason. We always play this exhibition game against the, the players from the Conde Excellence to help them out, you know? And I always say, I just want one thing. Nobody should get hurt. Seth breaks his leg, has a titanium <laughs> rod having to put it into his leg. We think he's done for the year. Yeah. 
and he ended up able to come back second semester. Then we had a bunch of other injuries, sicknesses. Oh. The night, the night before provincials started, the final four, our whole team got food poisoning. Yeah, yeah. yeah the we were gonna go see the the uh, quarterfinal games to see who we were playing in the semifinals, and we were gonna have to go straight from practice there. The guys weren't gonna have time to eat, and I know they have, they need to eat. So I ordered sandwiches from Dagwoods the day before, and I don't know if they left them overnight or what. They weren't refrigerated. Our whole team got food poisoning. Yes. Malcolm Henderson, our starting uh, starting center, or you know, yeah. he, he couldn't even dress for the semifinal game. Yeah, he was throwing up all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I remember our uh, our AD at the time coming up to me and saying, "Andy, are you nervous?" And I said, "Nervous? I've done this like a hundred times. Why should I be nervous?" <laughs> he said, "Oh, you're white as a ghost." I said, "Oh, I was just in the bathroom throwing up." <laughs> you know, so. We ended up playing a, a team Champlain in the semis that we had destroyed both times during the year. And the last take. second shot by, by Lenny Austin to win that game, you know, um, because yeah. the whole team was sick. Yeah. The whole yeah. team was sick. And even when we got to nationals, we were the, the week leading up to nationals, we had three or four guys ill. Yeah. Um, we had guys. Uh, Jonah was ill. Seth was ill at the beginning of nationals. We had to keep a, um, a garbage can next to our bench so that they could throw up into it when they got off the court. I mean, it was it was crazy. Yeah. You how know? did you? How did you? So keep everything the... was going wrong. We even the even the weirdest injury we ever had in the cell. We had an injury in the celebration Johnny. for the uh, for the provincial championship. Uh, Johnny Varone got hit in the eye with the cork from the champagne bottle. Damn. It was his teeth, yeah, it was his teeth, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, everything, everything was, like, going wrong. Yeah, well, how did you keep, as, as a head coach, with everything happening throughout that whole year, how did you keep your head, like, still straight and, like, okay, you know what, let's keep going, let's keep, like, how did you, how did you not fall off? What's, what's the alternative? <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, it's, like, you know, you play with whoever's there. We, we were very fortunate. We had a really, really deep team. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you were looking at a kid like, you know, like guys like, uh, you know, Gresh Clergist, you know, or Mikey DeSato, whatever, coming off the bench, mm -hmm. you know, a guy like Gresh coming off the, the bench, bench. It's crazy. You know, and, and you're already starting three guards. You know, or what? You know, or when you had a Ben Milo or a or a or Jerome Blake at various times coming off the bench if you were going a little bigger or whatever. I mean, come on. So we were, you know, we were a very deep team. It's not like if we had an injury or a, you know, a Jonah Bermillo also coming off the bench. I mean, like I said, whoever has the best guards wins, and we had the best guards, mm -hmm. and we were so deep at the guard position it was crazy. I think that year, the biggest surprise for, I guess, us, Champlain, was Jerome. Like, where did Jerome come from? Like, he was, <laughs> I, he was playing, what, double-A last year, and now he come and score, like, 40 points. Like, <laughs> us, we were surprised about, about him. Jerome, <laughs> he was just a scorer. I mean, he took terrible, terrible shots. <laughs> and I, I didn't bother him about it because he made them. You know, he just – he didn't – it seemed like he didn't realize he was playing for a provincial or national championship. Yeah. He thought he was in the park <laughs> with his friends, you know, like and he still has, by the way, the record for points in a provincial championship final. In Quebec. 41. Yes. Um, was 41. Huh? Yeah. 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 And, and you know, he, he just, he was a scorer and, you yeah. know, he averaged about 30 a game in double a and uh, you know, he, he's there and we see him and, you know, we brought him up and, um, in the middle of the previous year. So it took him a little while. You know, it's hard to join a team in the, the second half of the year, and you, it takes a little while to get acclimated or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he was just a natural, natural-born scorer. You know, it's funny. I remember, I won't mention who, but a university coach coming to see him play. And he said, you know, I asked him, you know, he had 38 points that game. And we were playing Edouard and, uh, at home. And... Um, Coach said, well, I'm not sure. He's a small guard. I said, Coach, he just scored 38 points in one basketball game. I said, your whole team scored 38 points your last game. He said, you don't <laughs> think you can maybe use this kid? <laughs> Anyhow, um, 
but yeah, he was just he was just a scorer, a baller, you know. Yeah. But do do you often do that? Maybe uh, take guys from the double A or like? It depends on the year. I don't want to take them. Look, having been the double A coach, and we, you know, back then a lot of our kids moved to the the triple A team and they just sat on the end of the bench and did nothing. Mm -hmm. So I I don't want to do that. I never wanted to take a kid and he wasn't gonna you know contribute and have a chance to play or whatever else just to fill out a roster yeah. because I respect what they're trying to accomplish also the double A team. I, I, I did it, you know. Um but if he if he if he really wants to help us if he really wants to to play and, and he can we think he can help us uh, absolutely now some kids don't want to there was a guy years ago Seth you might remember uh, Danny Charlery before your time mm -hmm. uh, he ended up being an, a, a CIS all Canadian um, playing out west but um, he just he had to have a, a part-time job and he didn't have the time to invest into playing triple a when I was coaching triple a and he played double a you know so so that happens um, but actually you know it was funny because Jerome and I butted heads a lot that year yeah and uh, you know at one point in time he felt that you know maybe you know uh, uh, you know I wasn't respecting him that I thought he was quote unquote a double a player you know and and I said hey then I'm just a double a coach you know and 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 we came to a, a good meeting of the minds and a good understanding and he realized you know that uh uh that i did respect him as a player and i you know and and you know and and we worked things out yeah definitely um that year what what one of the biggest surprise was that uh you didn't get coach of the year which i remember and i felt like who cares Well, we, I do, I did. Okay, you know, so, <laughs> you know? I nice did, you, but you did, you know. So, and I know, like, uh, even I think the passion you get coach of the year, but I know you got coach of the year last year, uh, the year before. Yeah, two years year, ago. Yeah, yeah, two years ago, provincial and nationals. Yeah. How how did that felt? How did that feel for you? Yeah, um, it felt great. Um, but I'm actually, if if I could have traded that for the national championship that year, uh -huh. I would have made that trade in a heartbeat. Um, I honestly also would have preferred that Kareem Manet get national player of the year that year rather than me get coach of the year. Uh, it's nice, obviously. Uh, but you know, what does it mean? Um, it's something people vote on. It's nothing that you necessarily earn. And, you know, plus I've always said there shouldn't, there shouldn't even be a coach of the year award. It should be coaching staff of the year award. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's not just you um, it's you know the whole coaching staff that you know that does the job and they're as much responsible for the team success as mm -hmm. I am I always said and I've said this for, for over 30 years all my assistant coaches have the same job description which is to stop me from screwing up the team too badly so that's you know and that's a big job frankly you know <laughs> so um, yeah so Actually, the one year that surprised me more than, uh, you know, than any other time in terms of not, you know, quote unquote, winning the, the coach of the year was one year we had a terrific team and we had the Buckleys and all those guys and we lost like the whole starting five and we lost like six, seven, like terrific players. And the next year, everybody thought we were going to be in last place. And we ended up first place all year long and won the provincial championships and The guy who got it, his team didn't even make the playoffs. So after that year, I said, well, it doesn't really matter because I'm never going to win it. <laughs> you know, it, just, it just doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. But you, you don't do it for awards. You don't do it. And, and, and frankly, you know, I think one of the biggest problems I felt with coaching in Quebec, and it's gotten a lot better, but there were too, too many people who were in it for their own egos. They wanted to win championships, and they would like, use kids to help them win championships and feel better about themselves. And it should be the opposite. You should be there for the kids to help the kids. It shouldn't be about you. And I hope my program has never been about me. It's been about hopefully the kids and, and, and trying to do, trying to do right by them. That, that's, that's the most important thing. Okay. Uh, you just mentioned Kerry Maine. How did Maine, it fit? Yes. Uh, Maine. Maine. I, I, for the sorry. Americans, they say Maine, Maine, but Kenny, you should know. Come on. Okay. <laughs> You know Sorry. what an accent is, Come on. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So, how do you coach a guy, a guy like him, like an NBA prospect? Well, you know, he wasn't always an NBA prospect. Although, frankly, when he came to us, he said that was his goal. 
And of course, in my mind, I'm laughing a little bit because, you know, that doesn't happen very often. But, you know, his arc of development, it was incredible. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that in 42 years of coaching. Um, his work ethic is unbelievable. Uh, he obviously has natural gifts. Mm -hmm. um, he's a sponge in terms of wanting to learn the game and learning the game. He's got a great mind for the game. Um, but I mean, listen, he didn't start for us until two thirds, three quarters of the way through his first year, because he had to learn, like in high school, he could just go through the whole team and dunk and do whatever he wanted. And, you know, in Sejep, first of all, you have to play with a team. You have to learn to run an offense. There's something called weak side help. And there's, there's big men. If you just, you know, decide because you can take your man anytime you want, you just, after two seconds into the offense, you're going to go to the basket. Well, there's going to be help there and there's going to be problems. So he had a, he had a lot to learn. Uh, and to his credit, he did. And uh, I remember that about we were on a, a, a bus trip to, to Saint Foix, second semester. And you know, I said, you know, I really see in practice that you get it now. You understand how we want to run the offense and how to get everybody involved. And we had a good talk about it. And I, I said, uh, I said, okay, I'm taking the leash off. He says, what do you mean, coach? I said, just go play. He says, are you serious? I said, yeah, just go play. You know what to do. He's thank you. And he just, he went like that afterwards, you know, but he had to go through that. You know, he had to go through the, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know if you ever heard the old expression, who was the old, the, the old question about basketball, who is the only person who could ever stop Michael Jordan? Do you know the answer to that question? Dean Smith. Dean Smith, Smith. is coach at North Carolina. <laughs> so, so for part of one season, who's the only guy in Quebec who could who could stop Kareem Manet? That was me for, yeah. <laughs> for about two thirds of one season, you know. But um, you know, he never complained and never, uh, you know, never groaned about it. He just he just got better. Mm -hmm. He just got better every day, and and uh, it's been you know an incredible experience to see that development. Unfortunately, this past year, well, this past year has been nuts. Okay. I mean, I mean, I've personally heard from 21 NBA teams we've had in, you know, we had as many as 16 NBA scouts at one of our games when we're playing a tournament in the States. First time we played at Bray Buff here. I mean, there were four NBA teams there to watch Kareem at a local game here in Montreal, uh, in addition to NCAA teams, whatever. Um, we have, and we're the only team who does it. We have a, uh, an annual, um, uh, workout just for university recruiters yeah. in September for yeah. both American and Canadian universities. And we broke our record this year. We had 12 different NCAA division one schools there just for that workout, one workout, you know, plus another about eight or nine Canadian schools. And then the following week, there were some guys who couldn't come on that Saturday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we had a uh, NCAA Division One coaches in our gym, and it wasn't only just for Kareem. We have a lot of other talented players, and they were some of the coaches were there to watch some of the other guys. Uh, but Kareem obviously brought a lot of attention to our team, to I think you know uh, all of CJ basketball, and I, I think it was actually a shame that the league didn't do more to promote that, yeah. you know, because he should be the poster boy boy for for CJ basketball. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, oh yeah, by the way, uh, congratulations. Cause I know you won over 700 games. Yeah, it was it's a seven forty something now, I think something, was yeah. the last, exactly. after last year, I don't know if I'll ever win another one, but, uh, no, no, maybe. You know, well, I'm not coaching this year and who knows about the, 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 you know, after that. So, uh, but that's, that's, that's a bunch of games. It means I had a lot of good players play for me over the years. Before we get into that, uh, one thing that was really good. I remember my time was there was that how you brought the team together a lot. You know, what we had, we had dinners, we had activities, we had activities, we had bonding stuff to do. And I remember like later on, I think four years later, after my year, one of your players, I forgot his name, he came to me and asked me that question. He's like, yo, I don't understand. How, how, was, how was your team so close? You know, you guys, how did you guys win that year nationals? And I was like, seriously, Andy, just, yo, we, had, we, we did a lot of things together. Well, you know, I, I wish I could take credit for that. Okay, but but I do the same sort of things every year, and some years teams are closer than others. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's it's a lot the kids and what they do off the court and stuff like that. You know, yes, we do certain things. Uh, again, some of them were my ideas. Some of them I stole from other people. Like we have done since about 2010, I think. 
we've done a team retreat. Um, that was not my idea. That was Steve White's idea. Coach Steve White. Okay. Now, <laughs> his idea and my idea of what it, it developed into something very different than what he wanted to do. It. He wanted to make it more of like a corporate retreat. Mm -hmm. uh, and and more like meetings and discussions and i just felt with kids of that age if they're sitting in a you know in a room all day they're going to go crazy they need to be active and stuff as well so we, we've changed it a lot over the years we've learned from it but it was a terrific idea and it still is a great idea to help the guys get to know each other and to become friends or whatever else and yeah we try to encourage other things like team dinners or going to a movie or going to different activities or going as a team to, to do a clinic for an elementary school or a high school or you know, whatever. It's anytime you can get all the guys together and doing things together, it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's beneficial. Okay. And why you just said that you're going to take a year off. Why is that? I know you just, you coach 42 years straight. I'm just wondering like, <laughs> you don't think not? I earned it after 42 <laughs> years? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> honestly, um, a lot of it is health related. I have a bunch of, just different health issues that have come up. Um, and this past year was very, very difficult for me. Uh, yeah. People didn't realize like just to get there. Um, the things I had to go through sometimes were, uh, it was very, very difficult. Um, and frankly, I don't think, uh, I, I have certain expectations of myself as a coach. I only know one way to coach and that's putting a lot into it you know uh treating it like a full-time job even though it's a part-time job and i'm just not physically i i don't think i could do the job that the kids deserve for me to do right now you know and uh, again it's always been about them plus frankly uh, listen if anybody thinks that uh, vanier will decline because i'm not coaching they're going to have another thing coming because uh faras is going to do a tremendous job yeah yeah he's you know, I told him the other day, he's, you know, he reminds me of me after about 10 years of coaching at Vanya. I think he's at that stage, you know. Um, so he's way ahead of when I, you know, what I was at the same age or whatever. So I think he's going to do a terrific job. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he's got a great basketball mind. He loves basketball. He's terrific at working out guys. He's got a great head for the game. He's got good coaching experience and, and he's going to do a terrific job. He's doing a terrific job. They may be better off without me, frankly. So, uh, um, you know, um, but if anybody thinks that, uh, and I'm sure, you know, uh, some of the other coaches in the league when it comes to recruiting, oh, wow, he's not there anymore. It's not, you know, Vanya will be fine. How did you, uh, before we uh, play the game, uh, how did you, rec like, I know, because I know you've been getting a lot of players that want to come to Vanya, right? And I know that for a fact. How do you select or pick who to come, who you choose? You have a bunch, a lot of great guys with a lot of great characters. Yeah, like I said, it, a lot of it's character. A lot of it is fit. Uh, some of it is filling certain needs. Like, for instance, we found a few years ago that uh, everybody was zoning us because they couldn't guard us man on man. Mm -hmm. uh, so we needed to, to recruit a couple of three-point shooters, some, some zone busters, you know. Um, but I think also just a couple of years before I coached you, Seth, I had a very hard lesson to relearn. And we had been pretty successful in sending guys to NCA schools. And because of that, um, we had kids from all over the country and even from other countries wanting to come to Vanya. Mm -hmm. uh, and I took some very talented kids uh, from uh, particularly Toronto, but from Calgary, from Nova Scotia, different places in, in Canada. Um, but when they came, it was really mostly all about themselves. They didn't care about the program, about the team. It was, it was about them getting their scholarships. Mm -hmm. And I honestly got to the point where I felt, am I too old? Like, they're not buying in. Am I too old now that I can't communicate with kids anymore? And I was ready. I was about to retire right then. And I said, I, I got rid of everybody. I kept two kids, local kids. And I recruited this class of a bunch of guys I just wanted to coach. That I was going to want to coach. That was your class. Oh. You and Lenny and Ben and Jonah and all these guys. And I said, if I can't make it work with that group, I'm, I'm retired. 
And, and the reason, honestly, that, I'm, that I've still been coaching the last few years, Seth, is you and, and your team. Um, you know, I, ever since I started with you guys, I had fun every single day of coaching yeah. afterwards. You know, it, it, was, it was, you know, sure, there were difficult days and days where things didn't go right and whatever. And I, I, you know, you've seen me get mad a few times. But, you know, I had fun all the time. And um, that really, I got, you guys saved my coaching career. You really did. I was, uh, I was coaching uh, Seth. <laughs> okay, here he goes. Seth, uh, well, first of all, you know, Seth was our sort of Swiss army knife. He could do almost everything. Wherever he needed him on the court, just go there and do that. And he yeah. could pretty much do that. But Seth, honestly, like, and he'll be the first to tell you, he had a lot of growing up to do. Yeah. You know, and so we butted heads at times. Um, particularly, there was a very difficult period when he was just coming back uh, from his injury, uh, his, uh, his third year. And, um, you know, it, it, it didn't go as quickly as he would have liked. And, and uh, certain things happened, you know. But, you know, uh, like I said, I mean, He was, he, was, uh, he was a pleasure to coach, just like the other kids on the team. We had just a terrific, terrific bunch of guys. We actually had most of them together at my place for last summer uh, for a barbecue and a swim. And because uh, Lenny was in town from North Dakota, and we tried again. We got, well, we had, I think, nine or 10 of the guys there yeah, yeah, that yeah, day. Yeah. I think next year we'll have our uh, reunion, Nationals reunion. That's for a fact. Yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> Have a 10-year reunion for that. Oh, okay, so now can we play a game? Or, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear it's a little game. Um, actually, as long okay. as it doesn't require any athletic activity on my part. Bro, okay. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, okay, before oh, – yeah, so I guess as far as the game, which uh, – this is a debate that's been going on on Facebook, and I know Ben. I was talking to Ben about this, talking to Lenny about this, Fosu, a lot of guys about it. Which, which class do you think – I don't want to say better, but which class do you think was, is, was I guess, better for you, better to you in terms of, I guess, basketball and, okay, was it 2000? Basketball-wise, it's so hard. I mean. 2011 or 2000? I got to 2011 or this, the one that 2000? Well, there's, a, there's another one before that you're forgetting about. And I forget the exact year, but Damian Buckley. Oh, yeah, Damian Buckley. Buckley here, yeah. Padgett Barrage, Jerry Sedabaugh, uh, Colson Senna. Yeah. Um, Talent-wise, just pure talent-wise, that might have been the best group. Okay. So, uh, you know, and, but, you know, and it's funny because you always have these discussions. Yeah. And I remember them, and a lot of those kids came from Sun Youth. And they were having a discussion with me, and they were trying to tell me that their team at Sun Youth was the best team of all time from Sun Youth. <laughs> and I said, No. I said, a team I coached in the 80s with Angelo Vertsumis or whatever else was the best. And he said, no, 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 impossible. And I remember them calling Henry Wong and saying, yeah, yeah, Henry will tell you. Henry, yeah. And he said, no, 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 it was that team in the 80s. You know, so um, each team is different. Each team, I mean, we had a terrific class, uh, a group for the last three years that accomplished, you know, some tr things that in our league have never been accomplished. You know, I mean – becoming the first team in about 30 years to go under 20, 30 years to go undefeated mm -hmm. two league losses in a total of two years, mm -hmm. uh, back to back provincial champions. You know, that's, that's special. Yeah. You know, being a, a national champion and winning your, you know, mm -hmm. nobody's ever, and, and yours was the only team ever from Vanier to win both a provincial and national championship the same year because Keith Coffin's previous year, Mm -hmm. uh, lost to Dawson in the finals mm -hmm. in, in, in provincials and beat Dawson in the finals of nationals. So they weren't provincial and national champions. They were only national champions. Mm -hmm. So in terms of what you guys accomplished is certainly in terms of championships, nobody's beaten that year. You know, that was the best year. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of league play, well, nobody's beaten the undefeated year. I mean, you, know. you yeah. I mean, They're both tremendous, you know, tremendously talented classes, and, and you can't really – it's not fair to compare one, okay. you know, yeah. one against the other, you know. Yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> okay. And Put it I, this way. I would coach either one of them again most happily. Okay. And win a lot of games doing it. Thank you. Okay. And my game, you have to name your starting five from PG to center. 
Like Captain Nim, yeah. Ah. Wow. Hey, that's, um, that's a lot of players coming through. You can't. I mean, it, it's almost impossible. <laughs> yeah, PG. Um, I'll give you a few names for each, I guess. And, and I'm going to be forgetting, guys, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, PG, Damian Buckley. Uh, Kareem Manet. Um, who is the point guard really on your team? I mean, it was we didn't really have a we point guard. Lenny, no, it was Lenny. Ah, B. See, that's the thing. Our team it was, was Lenny. loaded. Our team was loaded. You understand, Kenny? It was Lenny. Anyway, <laughs> it was he wasn't the point guard. No, he wasn't. But okay, but he wasn't a pure point guard either. Yeah. No, he, he wasn't. Okay, so um, who was the point guard? <laughs> yo, whoever brought the ball. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. We had three different guys, and sometimes four or five. Uh, you know, when you add in Jonah and Gresh and yo, Mikey, Mikey, maybe six. Um, shooting guard, uh, Padgett Barrage, Ben Milo, Jerome Blake, Lenny Austin, um, Khalifa Kulamala. Um, wait, I'm working shoot, yeah, he can shoot it. Um, you know, uh, any of those guys, um. If point guard throw in Ginyan Gala also mm. into the mix. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, at the three, Seth would be there. Colson Sena would be there. Mark D'Agostino. Oh, another one at point guard, Adrian Sapp, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, three, uh, Josh Kulamala. Um, th there's been a lot. I mean, um, you know, who's a three, who's a four. Sometimes we used to play Seth at the four sometimes yeah. just, and that would be a huge advantage because he was, he was athletic enough. He could guard guys a lot bigger, but then they couldn't guard him on the other end. So was Seth the three, was Seth the four. I don't know what you were. <laughs> Two, three, four, really, you know? Um, and then up front, I mean, uh, Jerry Sedaba, um, uh, Pierre Olivier Racine uh, at the four also. Now Chris Beekew, who we've had the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. Harris Elizovich, a very good player. Um, uh, Michael Fosu at the four or five. He wasn't very athletic, but one of the toughest SOBs you'll ever uh, see. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, him as well. I mean, Malcolm Anderson was a very, very talented big man as well. Mm -hmm. um, so the, you, you just can't say, oh, oh excuse me, three or two, three, Dwayne Buckley as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, one year, uh, Damien was all Canadian and won athlete, male athlete of the year at Vanier, and we named his brother Dwayne team MVP. Yeah. So... Yeah. yeah, I mean, listen, uh, yeah, that's why I, I've won over 700 games at Vanier is we've had a lot of good players over the years. This, this, this four I had in mind that I thought you would have named, but I guess you didn't, you didn't name us. It's, it's... I, I, honestly, you can't. I mean... Uh... Like me, me I, was, I was thinking of uh, Tevon Walker. I was thinking of... Oh, Tevon, my God. Tevon, I mean, and again, Tevon, what was he? Was he a one? Was he a two? Max Joseph, mind you, we only yeah. had Max for a year. I was, uh, uh, Devon, Schneider Souffrard at the four also or oh, I think, I, I'm forgetting Ernst. about that team you know like Ernst um, Laroche er, oh my god <laughs> wait point guard yes yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Richard uh, Richard which Richard Ade? Ade. yeah there you, you, you know play, funny play. story about Richard you know he started off as our team manager oh he yeah didn't, he yeah. didn't make our team at the beginning oh right and he was our team manager but he practiced with us and he just, uh, you know, he, he ended up as his last year with us as team captain. He went from team manager to team captain. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I mean, there's just been so many great players. I mean, how could you forget Tavon or Ernst LaRoche? You know, yeah. guys who have great pro careers overseas. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, it, it just, <coughs> it shows you can't pick. Just a lot of <coughs> Just fly. Okay, Kenny. Um, yeah, no, so I'm, I'm good, listen, man. Andy, I appreciate your time on being here. You know, you've done some great things over your coaching career. And you're not, you're not even, a, you're, you're a good coach, you're, but you're even a better person. And I appreciate you, you know, for 
all the times that we spent while you're coaching me back in the day. And even to this day, we still keep in touch. That shows of course. Kind of you are, you know, and I really appreciate your time on being here. Well, the big thing I wanted to do at Vanier was to create like a family atmosphere. And Vanier is, for the last 30 some years, it's a family, you know, and yeah. we'll always be family and you know that. Yeah. And, and that's, I think the biggest thing I've, if I've accomplished anything, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And you definitely, there's a lot of players that have come through Vanier. And like I said, you paved the way for Quebec basketball, helped pave the way at least. And there's, to this day, there's, there's a bunch of players that are still playing that I know that went to Vanier before me and they're still good. So that just goes to show you how, how well you've done, you know, that's a big part of their, you know, their lives at Vanier. So what you're telling me is we can count on you to be at Alumni Day this year. Is that it? Yes. Good. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kenny. Don't, Take uh, care. Uh, good uh, job, guys. Keep up the good work, eh? Kenny, go. Okay. Uh, merci, encore, merci encore d'avoir accepté uh, l'interview. Okay. And to our listeners listening, don't forget to subscribe. Once again, I'm Seth Samoa, a.k.a. Essay. I'm Kenny, a.k.a. KJL. And stay tuned for our next episode.